Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Yakin' Life. Today we got a special guest, Adam Milstead, the prototype. Let's go. And Adam is a man of many talents. Uh, first off, he's a former UFC fighter, which is to me pretty, about pretty the big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. Uh, he's also a professional kayak angler, uh, and he's also got his own YouTube channel, Straight Yakt, which we're going to talk about. Out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Adam, the prototype Milstead. Is that homie that be killing everything for rap? Before we get into the episode, let's take a moment to recognize today's sponsors, DH Baits. DH Baits specializes in a variety of spinners and jigs. If you want a bait that will actually catch a fish, check out DH Baits on Facebook. MMA Fishing. MMA fishing rods are proudly made in the USA and offer both spinning and casting rod models. If you're looking for some awesome rods to fight the bite, check them out. Also, be sure to insert clay kite fishing in the pro staff section when checking out to further support our channel. Thin Blue Tight Lines. Thin Blue Tight Lines is a fishing apparel brand dedicated to law enforcement. They have some really cool gear, and most importantly, they support America and first responders. Be sure to check them out. Last but not least, Going North Headed South Wholesale. Going North Headed South is located in Corbin, Kentucky, and they are known for giving the best deals this side of the Mississippi. If you're looking to buy something, don't pay retail. Going North Headed South has you covered. You can check out our sponsors by clicking their links in the description of this episode. Again, we would like to thank each of them for making this episode possible. That being said, let's get back to it. So, Adam, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so, uh, like you said, I'm a former UFC fighter. Um, been, well, I was training for roughly about 13 years of, of my MMA career. I uh, started off wrestling when I was in, like, second grade, played football, um did pretty much everything you could think of and then um now currently i am a uh, professional kayak angler i guess you can consider as professional we're proficient for money so oh yeah um as professional as you can get it but uh but that's about it yeah that's awesome dude yeah yeah that's that's he's achieving achieving yeah so before we get into the fishing aspect let's talk a little bit about your uh mma professional mma career so what inspired you to be a pro MMA fighter? Um, it was um, it, it was a combination of things. So I, I didn't start out my life thinking I wanted to be a fighter. Like you know, right. I'm sure you've seen it the the um, Forrest Griffin Stephen Bonner fight. I remember to this day, like watching that fight happen on live cable. And I'm um, sitting with my dad, and we're just watching this bloodbath, and it's insane. It's great. But at the same time, I looked at it and I said, you would never catch me doing that. That's nuts. Those guys are crazy. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, like, I don't know, <laughs> 10 years later, I'm fighting in a cage. Now, there's a couple of different reasons that happened. Number one, um, so I'm six foot three, about 245. And, you know, my first goal was to go and play professional football, whether it was NFL, Canadian League, arena, whatever. I wanted to play professional football. So um, I was trying to be like a little fish in a little, uh, or a big fish in a little pond and come up to Pittsburgh. There's a couple D3 schools up here. They're really well known. Uh, Geneva College is where I went to. And uh, it uh, it didn't turn out too well for me. A third game in, I tore my ACL on a football field. And uh, I was sort of like 
what do I do now? Like, of course, I can come back and, and um, still play. But the way that I was able to get onto the team, even though I'd had no money whatsoever, the coach was like, don't worry about the money. Just come play for us. And so, of course, I did. But once I told my knee, I, I was nothing to them. So after that, I was like, crap, what do I do? Ran into some very difficult times up here in Pittsburgh. This is about 2008, whenever the uh, the bottom dropped out on the economy and the, the housing market dropped and uh, you couldn't find a job to save your life. And I was working two dead end jobs and it was miserable. And the whole time I was doing, I was like, man, I need something to work towards. Like if you ain't got nothing to work towards in your life, man, it's very hard to find like like the just the ump just to get up in the morning and, and do your thing, man. Cause if not, life turns into a big carousel. It's just like you just revolve around doing the same thing over and over again. And people wonder why it flies by. It's because nothing's interesting you. So having something to work towards, that was like one thing I had to have. And so it was like a sign. I come in one day, I'm, I'm this little crappy apartment. There was a penny saver in my mailbox. I pulled it in. And on the back of it said, try mixed martial arts, 30-day free trial. And you immediately think the thing I thought of was the Forrest Griffin fight and everything like that. I was like, <laughs> no, nah, that's, nah, you know what, though? I, I do want to try it out. You know, I do want to just, like, go through the motions and stuff. So I went down, met this coach, told him, hey, I wrestled since I was, like, in second grade. And, you know, he's like, oh, he's like, come on down. He's like, let, let me show you around. And. So sure enough, I went down just a rinky dink gym and uh, I started training within like a month. No, I would want to say about two months. I was all of a sudden fighting my very first fight because it was just it was just one of those things. Like when I start something, I need to I need to see how far it goes, you know, so I, I, I couldn't just I couldn't be there like knowing that I'm doing really well against these guys in practice to think like, you know, the coach comes up to us and says, hey, who wants to fight this month? And nobody's raising their hand i'm like all right well let's give this a shot and sure enough i did i went out a one and then that's just what kind of propelled me man i just I, I said you know what let's just keep taking this as far as it can go and uh let's see what we can pull out of this thing and uh not a lot of money in it you don't get a lot of like credibility all that stuff it's just it's it's all about setting goals in yourself and accomplishing them and and one thing's really cool about this sport same as wrestling it's all on you you're not dependent on a team. You're not dependent on somebody else. So if somebody, you know, fumbles a football and you lose a game, it's not because it was you. It's because of your team. You know, I always liked the fact that I could go out there, whatever I put into the gym or whatever I put in hard work, I could get exactly out of that, you know. So, um, yeah, man, that's that's pretty much what it was. And eventually, you know, I got my shot in the UFC. That is awesome, awesome, Adam. That's awesome. And I know, like, you know, being in the UFC, I'm sure it's full of, like, memorable moments. Like, if you had to pick, what would be your most memorable moment from the UFC? Hmm. Uh, Probably, there's a couple, of course. Um, But, obviously, the most memorable moment for me is just getting my hand raised in a cage. Like, uh, that was, like, getting into the UFC after battling all my way up. Um. And uh, going through, like, the miserable, uh, these small little promotions you fight in. Like, I can't tell you how many times I fought in a bar. I fought in, like, uh, like basements and things like that and elk clubs. Like, I was just like, nah, that, I, I didn't like it. And I gave up a couple times. Oh, I didn't give up. I just slowed down a couple times. I finally got the call. And it was like all that, when I finally got my hand raised, it all, it all sort of encompassed into, like, 
you know, what it means to really work hard, find your passion, go out there and accomplish it. And, you know, you take all of that I went through for those, those eight years before I got to the UFC and most people will tell you it wasn't worth it, but when you get your hand raised in that cage, it's definitely worth it. So I fought Chris De La Rocha. It was a good fight. Dude had a hard head, wouldn't go down. But um, between that and then um, obviously just getting the opportunity to fight. Like I got a call from, um, you know, the matchmaker for the UFC and uh, he hit me up and said, hey, I want to I want to sign you a four fight deal. And I mean, your heart's pounding as soon as you, you feel that or you hear that. So um, those two are the ones that I remember the most. That is awesome. That's man. awesome, man. People don't people don't realize like how dedicated you have to be to get to that stage. Okay. I mean, and that's what you realize when you do mixed martial arts. Like when you first start out, you get the dog crap beat out of you, and you just have to keep going every day until you're up in that obviously yep. where you yeah, are at. It's, a, it's what they call earning your due. A lot of people exactly. A lot of yeah. people today they're they're not patient. You know, and it's kind of funny that you know we're we're talking about fishing and fighting. You know, it could be anything in life. Like the the most important thing is learning patience, and fishing is one of those things that's taught me to be patient. You know, wait for, you know, wait for that opportunity. And uh, a lot of people just they're not patient. If they don't get it immediately, they immediately just stop and quit. And um, you know, it, a part of that you have to have a good group of guys that kind of push you and stuff and and keep you coming back because, like you said, man, you take your licks. And it sucks, man. I remember my first sparring session. I've never been hit in the face. I, like, I haven't even been in a fight before I got into mixed martial arts. Like, I, you know, I, I was a bigger guy, so no one really started things with me. And, and if they did, it just, it just never really escalated anything. And uh, so my first sparring session, I walk in. Within 10 seconds, I was put on my ass because some dude just threw a straight right and just, like, like for some other reason, I was like, don't block this punch. Let me just take it. And I, I fell down, and I got back up, and then I realized, huh. It wasn't that bad yeah. all right let's yeah. keep going you know and and then uh one thing led to another and yeah you you continue to earn your your stripes you continue to earn your due and you get beat up and you run through some injuries and you fight through them and whole point of it man is just is just you have to create your 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 passion into a lifestyle and that's what i did for me for mixed martial arts i created it to the point where you know, it was all I thought about. It was like, I, I would be at work and I'd be, you know, YouTube and different techniques and things like that, watching guys uh, do different, um, you know, jujitsu techniques, uh, different styles of striking. And and I would just sit there and constantly watch it because what I enjoyed was like, hey, I get to make this my own. Like I can make my own style. You know, I'm not, it's, it's up to me. You know, the bad thing about like boxing or Muay Thai or even wrestling, you know, you sort of have there isn't many styles mixed in with there when you get mixed martial arts you get it all encompassed together and what's really cool about that is man you get the you get to make your own style because it's like okay maybe i'm a wrestler but i'm going to learn striking i'm going to utilize my wrestling to better my striking and whatever but uh yeah again it's 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 just creating that lifestyle it becomes real easy to basically deal with the pressures deal with the pain and misery everyday training and stuff like that because it, it's something that you enjoy it, it 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 feels like you're empty if you're not doing it right i remember watching one of your fights man and i don't know i can't remember who it was you were fighting but you all just absolutely like we're going in on each other and there was blood everywhere 
Like, oh, that yeah. was that was a Chris De La Rocha fight. That yeah, was... I, that's what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, it was it was a mess. And I remember watching you on Fight Night with uh, Curtis Blades. I remember. That oh fight. yeah, that was fun too yeah. for Curtis. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was... <laughs> you just you just gotta be a different breed to want to do that. Like you, yeah. you just watch UFC and these guys are absolutely beating each other to death. And I, it's weird for the guy for some guy to be watching like, man, I want to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just yeah. it's crazy. There, there are a few individuals who are like that. Um, and, and so while I was training, like one of the things I, I, to myself, my confidence, I know that I got really good at was coaching. Um, so when I, when I started training, I didn't have hardly any money. So my benefit to the gym was to help coach like youth programs and things like that. And eventually I got so good that I just started coaching like as the head coach. Um, and, uh, the one thing I noticed was I, I would always get guys and every once in a while you'll find one, but I would get guys who were just like, Oh man, I was watching this fight and these guys were beating the crap out of each other, man. I was like, yeah, I got to get in here and try it, man. They get in and they train for about three months. They're like, huh, this sucks. You know, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is uh, it's not all, it's not what you see on TV. Of course, everybody wants that. And I'll, I'll tell you something like, the, the crowd, the arena, everything like that, it it, en- it encompasses it all. Like, right. if it's just you in a gym with, like, a few lights on and you're with one other dude and you're hitting each other and, and going at it and stuff like that, not a lot of guys like that because there's no, there's no, like, there's no audience. There's nobody, like, cheering them on and stuff. And so these guys think that they're immediately going to come in and just – understand what it takes to be able to do what those guys do like beat each other up so like with the chris de la rocha fight both of us were were seasoned sort of fighters and we knew exactly what it was meant for us to be in the ufc which was put on a show you know and of course win you got to win but at the same time if you feel confident enough to be able to go out there and go toe-to-toe with somebody and, and have the upper hand, then absolutely. And if that guy thinks the same thing, then you get these crazy battles that, you know, like with Chris, man, he, he's such a good guy. We're, we're actually friends now, um, but uh, he's such a good guy. Uh, he, he just, he has this hard head. Like, it's so hard to knock him out. Like, I mean, my knuckle is like, it's hard to see, but I mean, it's so raised up and that's directly from hitting him in the head so many times um this knuckle should be my there should be right there but it's it's a little low now because it broke anyways it's just one of those things you gotta you gotta understand like man you do have to have a mindset to be able to deal with that but you also have to have a mindset to put in the work put in the the time put in you know the sacrifice that a lot of people don't see of course anybody get in there just start battling it out you know um but uh, you got to earn it to get there. So when you get to UFC, then you put on a show. Until then, it's it's train, fight, do everything you can to win. And you know, a lot of people think you know, fishing and fighting is probably polar opposites, but really, there's a lot of similarities. I know the way Adams explained yeah. it, just you know, the patience and all yeah. that, man. You, yeah. you you really do. It, it it takes a lot of patience for both uh, both spectrums. Well, that and you got to put the work in too. Oh yeah, right. you know. So yeah. Adam, one more and, question I had. And it's I'm not, struggling. and it's not by, and I want people to understand because this is a big thing in fishing. Because believe me, a lot of the people who aren't in fishing, people who aren't in competitive bass fishing, they're like, competitive bass fishing, like 
you know, what do you do? Like, you just, you're just catching fish. I was like, no, no. Between mixed martial arts, obviously that's a skill set. Yeah. Um, fishing, that's a skill set. There's a reason why you have these Jacob Wheelers, these, um, these guys that are coming in, Dust Connell, who are just absolutely destroying the competition every single time. They're up there at the top 10 because they have a skill set, because they were patient. They learned a lot of stuff. Um, they paid their dues. Um, they work. They, you know, the amount of research that goes into this is insane. You got to be, number one, you got to be skilled with a rod. You got to be able to put that jig pretty much anywhere. You got to basically, you know, thread the needle on some of these casts. And that's a skill set. Uh, being able to position your boat right, that's a skill set. Uh, being able to, you got to be sort of like a biologist because you got to know, you know, the water temp versus water clarity versus the thermocline versus barometric pressure versus all that stuff combined and then try to guesstimate where you think is going to be the best area to fish. And that all comes from experience. It all comes from getting out there, doing it, working hard, practicing, and that's what mixed martial arts is. You don't get to the UFC just by saying, hey, I want to fight in the UFC. No, you got to earn your spot. So, yeah, there's a lot that sort of entails one another. Right. So before we get into the fishing aspect, I had one more question about the, uh, the UFC. So, mm -hmm. like, I can just imagine this, but, like, what's it like stepping into that cage and you've got thousands of fans cheering you on and you hear Bruce Buffer announce your name? What's that like, man? I, I mean, that's... That's like unreal to me. It, I, I, and and I'm I'm getting chills just thinking about it right now. But you have to understand, like the hardest, the most mentally fatiguing moment is there. There's a couple of them. Um, there, there's time where you see your opponent for the first time, like in real life. Like you know, here they are. They're walking. They're in this arena because you guys are going to battle it out. Uh, this week you know you see him and your heart starts pounding and stuff like that and then and then um you know you get through the weigh-ins you get you know they're announcing you on the way you know uh, on the scale and um you know joe rogan's announcing you and it's uh, that's real cool it's like right, full heart yeah, pounding yeah. moment but the one thing and it doesn't matter if you fight in the ufc or if you fight in some of the most localist mma venues is when you're in a back and you're tr you're just warming up you're just moving kind of doing whatever you want to do um working some pads getting warmed up getting a nice little sweat going and then all of a sudden you hear a knock on a door the guy opens up and says hey adam you ready it's time to go and then it's just like it's like there is there is like a mental sort of something that happens within your body that it's so hard to describe like all of a sudden it just feels like the senses are just brought into your like face and it's just like and you're like holy crap here we go and it's just like in the ufc is one of those things man where like in a local venue you walk out you got people you got your friends family in the crowd you're like hey you know you walk in you enter the cage they announce you and you go out and fight and first punch it's just like whatever UFC is different because it's like a well-oiled machine, man, because they're they're constantly marketing, marketing, marketing. The thing is, they've got cameras in your face. They got three photographers that have taken pictures. They're walking backwards out as you're walking into this biggest stadium you've ever been in. You know, like I, I fought at the um, well at Mandalay Bay. I fought at um, the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas um the raptors play or 
I don't know, whatever one was in Houston, the basketball team in Houston. Um, but you're walking out, and it's just like it opens up. There's lights. You've got, boom, right here, camera in your face. you got people taking pictures, people in the crowd. They're like, you slapping your hands. You're like, holy shit, I'm actually just getting ready to do this. I'm really going to do this. I'm going to yeah. fight in the UFC. And, and you walk in, and it's always a different feel for me. Like, it, it's just like you walk in, you feel the – you feel the the canvas and the canvas feels a little different. Like, oh, I don't know, man, this, you know, you get in, you get to the, to your corner, you're walking back and forth. You get even, doesn't matter how much you warm up. You're like cold. You're like cold. Cause you're like chilled, man. You got chills running down your body and then you're sitting there and then here comes Bruce Buffer, you know, standing at six foot three, 240 pounds. You know, and then he just goes through his thing and it's just like, holy crap. Yes, I made it, but damn, I've got to, I've got to, like, I've got to put on a show. I've got to yeah, get out right. here. I got to win this thing. I can't, I cannot not win this thing. And, uh, you know, obviously it goes your way or it doesn't go your way, but it's just, it's that point. And then a ref goes, you ready? You ready? Let's go. And you go out there and it's just like, you're trying to wonder if your opponent's going to touch gloves. You touch gloves. Okay, cool. Fine. And then you throw the first punch and then it's just like, oh, okay. And then it shuts off, crap shuts off, and everything. But yeah, walking out, man, it's insane. It's like there, there's nothing in this world that will ever be the same. And a lot of people don't realize that, man. It's it's that's, that's fired up. probably Dude. one of the biggest reasons why we do this. I will, and I'm just I'm not even gonna say maybe I will never be in the UFC. First off, but just that little <laughs> experience that you just said, I honestly feel like. I'm ready to go. To I'm, the fired I'm fired up. Fired like, he is. Adam <laughs> yeah. has fired me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about to get up and knock Nate out right that now. Like, it was, you know, uh, Dana White. It, and I, I agree with him on this. Dana White said it perfectly. He said, the UFC is not a career. It's an opportunity. And that's basically what it was. And you have to look at it that way. Like, career, people who fight on a career basis when they're done, which is generally around my age, like 35 or so, they don't have any skill sets beyond that. They're either going to go into the gym and start training other people and coach, which most of them do that, or they try to start working jobs because honestly, they're, you don't make enough money. You know, you could be a career season fighter, you know, what they call career fighters and go out there and, and fight. But the issue is, is like, you're not making a ton of money. If you think about it, a lot of people don't realize this. The government immediately takes 20% of your earnings. Okay. Then you got to pay your manager, which is anywhere from 10 to 20%. Then you got to pay your coaches, which is generally around 10%. So 50% of your money is immediately gone by the time you walk into that cage. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, so, um, you know, yeah, you can, you can do a lot of tax stuff and write-offs and things, but uh, beyond, uh, beyond it all, it's, there isn't any money in it unless you get to the point where you can create opportunities in it. You know, so the thing about it is you get into fighting, you build a name, you build sort of an image of yourself, and then you move on from fighting. And because of that, just like where we are today, you guys talking to me, I had this opportunity because I fought in UFC and I probably wouldn't have it if I didn't, you know, sad sort of thing. But beyond that, it, that's, that's how it is. And a lot of people don't realize it. So yeah, man, fighting's fighting's different. You gotta love it if you want to do it. You have you gotta be a little screwed up in the head too. 
That's awesome, man. So kind of getting getting out of the MMA, more into fishing. Uh, what inspired you to start fishing? Man, I've always fished. I, I fished since I was, I mean, four years old. So my, my dad, like every other kid, was introduced uh he introduced me to fishing my first fish i think was like a was like a, a red drum um i used to fish chesapeake bay that's where i grew up um and um i grew up very poor so i didn't have a lot of stuff um to my myself like i didn't have like boats i didn't have kayaks and things like that um so we would always just bank fish and uh saltwater fish up until the point where I started watching, you know, Bill Dance, I started watching Jimmy Houston, I started watching, you know, all these guys and these, these uh, shows on, like, kids would watch Saturday morning cartoons, I would watch Bill Dance Saturday morning, and I would get in this mindset that, hey, that looks really cool, because normally, like, saltwater fishing is go out and throw out a bait on the bottom and, and hope you get lucky, but bass fishing was kind of cool, because it was like, I'm taking an artificial bait putting in front of a face of a fish and, and hoping he eats it. And then I got to base it off of, well, what time of the year is it? Is it pre-spawn, post-spawn? Is it, uh, you know, what type of location is it? Um, you know, and so that caused me to want to get more into like freshwater fishing. And so got into bass fishing when I was younger. Um, and um, the, the whole kayak thing was always still in the back of my head. I had a friend of ours, he was an older guy, um, on the beach. He would we would go out and go striper fishing and he had kayaks. He had these wilderness pongo kayaks. And we would go and just take them out. And I was like maybe 10 at the time. And I'd just go and I just set that rod in my my um my lap and I would just paddle beyond the breakers, paddle past the uh, crab pots with like a you know, repellent jerk bait. Yeah. And I would catch stripers that way. And that's where I really started getting a love for kayak fishing. And then uh you know, fast forward when I'm starting to make my way into mixed martial arts and stuff like that, I kept the love for fishing uh, because it was, they, they went hand in hand, but between mixed martial arts, man, I, it was miserable going six days a week to the gym, you know, working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day on the pipeline, getting done doing that, going to train till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, getting far asleep going up and doing it all over again it was miserable and so fishing offered sort of a break sort of like a, a a break in that monotony of of beating yourself up all the time and and being absolutely miserable you know and so i i stayed with it and then one of the times that i i sort of uh, gave up a little bit on on the the dream of being in ufc um i decided to help open up the very first field and stream store uh dick ended up trying to put out their uh, outdoor um uh their version of their outdoor um shop but anyways they, i helped open it up and uh, started working there and i uh, was trying to sell a kayak to a guy who was well versed in kayak fishing and uh he said hey you you do kayak fishing i was like yeah he's like well i'm, I'm starting up a uh uh a tournament series it's called you know kayak anglers uh, it's pretty well known here in, in the western pennsylvania area we've got about seven different chapters now and uh so I went out and did it, didn't catch a fish, but absolutely had a blast in the tournament. And uh, I was like, I want to stay with this, you know? So I went and I got a decent sit on top kayak and started paddling. But at the same time, you know, at that time I was still going through mixed martial arts and everything. And so that always took precedence. But beyond that, like, man, I, I fished since I was, was a young kid and uh, I'll fish the day I die. Absolutely. Heck yeah. That's awesome. 
So um, the question I I was uh, just thinking about Adam is you said you fished around the Chess you say Chesapeake Bay area. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I'm not really familiar with that part, especially the the area where you grew up. What's like? I guess you, I could say your favorite lake or body of water to fish there. I'm, I'm guessing it would probably be that one, but for the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, that so, or I I guess just overall like your fishing adventure. Like, what was your favorite place to fish? Man, I, I told my wife this. If, if I just randomly died one day, go ahead and cremate me and put my ashes in the Susquehanna River. I don't know if you guys have ever fished it or or heard of it. The Susquehanna River in Pennsylvania throughout, and, and it eventually leads out to the Chesapeake Bay. It's by far one of the most awesome fishing experiences. Just just think about, think about taking or, or having an opportunity to catch four or five pound large mouth or large mouth small mouth out of a river that's no less than i don't know three feet deep you know so what what happens is you're you're going up against these these bass who are sitting in the current their entire lives and they're getting so strong like a 14 inch small mouth will pull just as hard as a 20 inch lake erie small mouth oh so it's really cool you have a it's a cool way to fish too because Granted, in Pennsylvania, we don't have a ton of lakes to fish, um, but the rivers, we, we fish a ton, and that requires a lot of strategic sort of, I don't know, um, carpooling, I guess. You know, you have to have a guy set up at one point, another guy set up this point, and you float on down. But while you're floating, you have to do nothing. You don't have to, like, the, you just go wherever the water takes you, man, and right. you're just out there, and you're fishing. You, you find a good spot, you power pole down, and you just catch these these giant beautiful smallmouth out of like real shallow water and man watching them hit like a like a whopper plopper on a surface or a wake bait is just it's it's there is some serious passion for me in that I, and you'll see a lot of my videos have been on a Susquehanna because it, it's just it's right. fun man it's such a cool experience I don't know about you guys but like catching a four and five pound smallmouth is like what what dreams are my yeah that's, oh yeah uh, it's a huge small man. That would be great. I bet that's like seeing Jaws know? come up out of the water. What's that? I said, I bet that's like seeing Jaws come up out of the water. You said like you catch them on, on top water. Oh, yeah. That, that's that's probably my probably my favorite way to fish, obviously, for you know, a lot of people say that. But, um, you know, for a smallmouth, especially in a shallow water river, man, you, you go and you just, you're just blind casting. You know, and a lot of these rivers we're fishing – they might be only, I don't know, 50 yards across. And it's just like you can cast clear across the river and uh, you're just bringing this wake bait or just whopper plopper through. And it's just, there's so much anticipation until all of a sudden it's just like a giant explosion, you know, and and, and you're pulling this thing up and it's it's so cool. And, you know, nothing against largemouth. I love catching largemouth, you know, and nothing wrong with that. But there's something different about a smallmouth because number one, obviously they fight way harder. Um, and number two, I, I just think they're a real pretty fish to look at. And some of them will have these tiger stripes, especially, you know, during pre-spawn, post-spawn, they'll have these tiger stripes that really are, are real vibrant. It's a real pretty looking fish. So yeah, man, it's, it's a blast. Um, do you guys, do you guys down there, do you have a lot of smallmouth fishing? Do you get in any smallmouth fishing? We do. Yeah, definitely we do. Yeah. Like on the river. I've never caught one quite that large, but we've, we've no. got some pretty good smallmouth here. Yeah. 
the the way the way you catch a smallmouth, like it could be a one pounder, and you think that you're you know fighting oh, yeah. a, you know an eight or a nine pound it's the best feeling mouth, ever. But man, oh, yeah. they, they really are. They're such aggressive uh, species of fish, definitely. Well, especially a river smallmouth too. Cause oh yeah, because they're swimming in the current. Man. They're naturally yeah. stronger anyway. Yeah, definitely. I like yeah. fish. Yeah, it's a. Uh, <clears throat> it's definitely something that we're gonna venture on into getting more into like river fishing, yeah. uh, smallmouth fishing, stuff like that. All right, Adam. So, like, you do a lot of tournament fishing, which is really cool, by the way. And what what advice or what stuff is needed to tournament fish, say, for somebody that's wanting to get started into it, that's new? Hmm. So, obviously, we can go down a rabbit hole here. But if I, if I was going to chalk it up to, obviously, the the first thing you would need is obviously a kayak. Yep. Um, and and a thing that a lot a lot of people who are getting into uh, kayak fishing, they take the notion of what they think what kayaks are instead of actually researching, just go out and they get a sit-in kayak. You're going to be in a world of hurt if you get in a sit-in kayak right off the bat. So number one, get yourself a sit-on-top kayak. Um, it's stable. It's going to be able to hold more gear. You're going to be more comfortable. Number two, and probably. The second most important, and generally this sort of goes hand-in-hand -hand with your kayak, is getting a seat that is like a legit seat, not a seat that is like a cloth seat. Believe me, when I when I first started getting into kayak fishing, there was a lot of guys, newer guys were coming in, and they were, they were in those like pre-molded plastic polyethylene seats with like a, like a, I don't know, a cloth back. It, it was miserable. And I remember fishing because a couple of my first kayaks were like that. I would have to get out like every hour and a half to stretch my legs because like, you know, it was bad. My, my ass was cramping up. It was, it was <laughs> miserable. So I said, and then when I got into a kayak that had a seat that was basically like a, a lawn chair or something, I was able to fish all day. If you could fish comfortably, you know, you could fish all day and have no problem. So, yeah, good sit on top kayak, good seat. Um, and then the other thing I would say was probably like a good, uh, a good storage crate or something. Something's yeah. going to keep all your baits, all your stuff sort of like in one spot. Because if not, you get these guys are throwing a bunch of boxes and stuff in here. And if you're like me, a lot of times your boat at the end of a tournament looks like your tackle box exploded because you know you're out there junk fishing you're trying every little thing yeah doesn't yeah. work so having a spot where you put all your stuff is like is absolute key and then obviously pfd when we're talking about safety and stuff like that too but yeah 100 percent. so what kind of kayak do you currently use currently uh i use a native titan um i have both the 12 and the 13.5 the 13.5 just came out this year for 2023 so native titan or native watercraft brought in their uh their big boat back again so um i'm paddling that this year for the first time and uh i'm actually in the process this is gonna look horrible i don't know if you guys don't, don't mind the mess you can see what i'm doing right now oh well wow. yeah oh, I, i'm yep. organizing but here's the native titan this is uh, this is what oh, I'm yeah. gonna, pretty gonna be paddling right now. And of course, I, I'm still I got a lot of stuff. I just put live scope on. Got, you know, my uh, Garmin uh, Echo Maps nine inch screen. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, and like that, this, this is way too much. Like uh, all this crap, uh, you don't need it, but I, for some unknown reason, I got to have it. Cause if I don't have it, then it's one of those things. If I get beat by somebody who does have it, I'd be like, well, maybe I could have beat him if I did have it. Right. right. You know, so it's just like a mindset, you know, and then you get like torpedoes and yep. power poles and things like that. Like, <clears throat> if you want my advice for any kayak fishing, person who's trying to get into kayak fishing keep it simple don't do what i i, I went I, i'm ruined I, I went down a rabbit hole i uh i got caught up with uh thinking i need every little gadget known to man to you know basically help my fishing and of course you have your tools you get better at using them and of course they're going to benefit you but there's guys in in these higher level tournaments who are out there just paddling they don't even have pedals they're just out there paddling around with no electronics nothing and they're they're doing really well like drew gregory is a guy that comes to mind with that and uh you know he goes out there um he paddles around gets some of these you know smaller places a lot of people can't get to and and just destroys the competition so you don't really need anything special but you know the native titan 13.5 that's that's my boat this year um i'm i'm excited because it's probably one of the most stable kayaks in the industry i'm not kidding you i could stand on a gun on one side like stand on it and it's not gonna flip so yeah, yeah. i've always been a fan of native stuff like uh there was a dude here in clay county that had uh, the propel titan or whatever mm -hmm. and it was sweet it was pedal dry yeah i loved it mm -hmm. bougie so I'd assume that the native has probably been your favorite kayak as well that you've ever owned. Yeah, it's it's yeah. been the most. Um, it's of course they 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 are sort of a sponsor, but at the same time, like it's it's a really well built kayak. Like like I said, I've never been a kayak so stable before. So I'm gonna do a couple of uh, um, sort of fun fishing videos here soon, where I'm gonna be heading back to my hometown in Calvert County. And I'm going to try taking this thing out on the Chesapeake Bay and trying to catch big stripers out of it. Um, these big ocean run stripers. And uh, so I'm going to do that. And normally no, other kayaks, I probably wouldn't do that because Chesapeake Bay can get pretty nasty. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to take this thing out there and, and have a good time. Uh, Jackson's are the other ones. I, I used to use Jackson's a lot and I still do here and there. Like I, I, I like their, uh, their Kusa. I will always have their boat, you know, because it I, I got like their cousins up there on, on a rack. Um, because it's just it's one of those just grab and go sort of kayaks that if you just want to do a shallow water uh, float, you could just take that thing out, put it in, and have no problem. So but Jackson's a good good brand too. I know you mentioned um, a, t a good tackle crate and a cool little fact is a year or so ago I actually watched your video on the Yak Gadget crate, the review that you did. Yeah. And I thought that was a cool little video when I watched it. I actually got that same Yak Gadget crate out there right now. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yep. I it. Yep. I got it right here. I still use it, man. Yep. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, Yak Gadget's a good Yeah, I, I love this thing. I, I, I customize it a little bit. I put the these uh, Burley Pro organizers so I can store some of my awesome. like, fishing line that I would normally use for leaders. Um, you know, like uh, scent, stuff like that. I put my flyers in there, um, you know, got it on this side too. But like I said, I'm, I'm still in the process of 
organizing everything. I'm uh, heading to Stanley Cooper uh, this week. Well, next week, I guess, uh, for the Hobie Bass Open. So kind of excited. It'll be my first term of the year, and it's a, it's a doozy. I mean, Stanley Cooper, we go down and paddle with the Gators and, uh, uh, yeah, try to catch some big pre-spawners. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You've got a lot of cool videos out, Adam. Uh, I've actually watched almost every one of them, and one of my favorite is kind of the one the tackle tip video that talks about the quicksand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what, oh, yeah. Like what inspired you to like make a video? Because that's kind of off the cuff for you yeah. know a fishing channel. I, I really appreciate that. I, I didn't think that got a lot of uh, a lot of engagement. Not a lot of people really like viewed that or whatever. You know, the reason. And, and this is getting a little bit of my sort of motivational thing here, but the reason why I made it, that was right after I had a miserable term. Um, we got a tough lake up here that, that we fish. It's called Pomatunian Reservoir, and it's, uh, it borders between Ohio and PA. And this lake is it's one of those hit-or-miss lakes, but for me, it's a miss-miss lake. So I, uh, I go out there and I fish, man, and it's like I, – I, it must be like they 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 flooded this thing over an Indian burial ground, and it doesn't work with with who I am or something. <laughs> and uh, honestly, like uh, I go out there and I just have the hardest time. Like things just break down on me, you know. And it's a part of that mindset that we all have in life. And and I still go through it to this day. I'm not perfect at it, but you know, it's really easy to get in this mindset where you know, you hear the phrase, when it rains, it pours. And a lot of that comes from people who are, when one thing bad happens, where, where like, it affects you pretty negatively. And, or it maybe took you out of something that you love for a little bit. And after that, what happens is you start noticing more of the negative. And then one of the worst things we can all say to ourselves is, yep that's what i get or i deserve that you know like whenever something bad happens to just basically beat yourself up because all it does is it continues to sort of reassure your assessment of yourself on how you deserve all the crap that happens in life a lot of people don't realize that that if you do that you will if you think about it if you consciously talk bad about yourself communicate bad yourself look at all the negative you are going to attract more and a lot of people don't realize that that's a law of attraction a lot of people don't realize that too you know we are we're all sort of an energy source and in our energy we can attract those sort of energies how our mind perceives it or how our mind thinks and a lot of people just sort of kind of just think that yeah it's just a string of bad luck it's no it's a, it's an it's an unconscious it's an unconscious or no, no, it's a, it's a, um, your, your ability to understand the problems that happen in your life. When you look at those as problems, instead of like problem solving opportunities, like it's being pessimistic versus optimistic, people tend to, to get in that mindset and it just drags them down because again, they're just constantly waiting for the next bad thing to happen. And so that, that whole video was designed for people, especially in fishing, you know, but in, in life as well, that when you get out there and you have a bad thing happen, like, okay, all of a sudden your graph dies and you really need your graph to find these fish. 
crap that sucks you know damn it i swear i put that thing on charge it said full charge why did it just die what is you know and you're constantly thinking about thinking about thinking about that and all of a sudden you you run into a spot where you know if you're like me and you're running a, a prop on your pedal drive you get sucked in all these weeds and man like where i put in it was miserable that day it was just like oh i had to paddle this big kayak pretty much all day and so that added stress to it and then all of a sudden i backlashed two rods not one but two like almost back to back and it's just like it's like you're like holy crap what the hell is happening and what happens it, every day what happens is you create a cycle of bad things you see you create a cycle of bad negative energy and it just continues going in an order and and that's where i talked about quicksand again if you ever watch the replacements yeah. Uh, this is where I got that idea from, you know, when Joe Flacco or, you know, Keanu Reeves, who played Joe Flacco, was talking about his worst fear. It was quicksand. And he said, well, it's what happens quicksand is when you run into a situation and it sucks, you fumbled, you're whatever, but everything else is going great up to that point. And then all of a sudden one thing happens and then another thing happens and another thing. And before you know it, you're in quicksand. Before you know it, you're above your head and you can't breathe and, you know, you, you feel like you're dying. And that's sort of what happens, especially something you put a lot of passion in. Like for me, kayak fishing, I have a lot of passion. I want to be good at it. I want to try my hardest at it. I want to be recognized for being a good fisherman. Um, and uh, when you go out there and you have a horrible tournament like that where everything is dying and stuff like that, and it's just like you wound up in quicksand. And what you have to do is you have to break that cycle some way shape or form break that cycle so if everything's going wrong do something that's right so like okay you know my graph everything all that's dying all of a sudden oh i sprung a leak whatever whatever may happen just just break it so one thing that we always do is just reach out to somebody that we haven't talked to in a while or reach out to our wife our girlfriend our mom dad whatever and just text them call them or something and say hey you know, they just uh, want to call in and say, hey, I love you. I care about you. You mean a lot to me, blah, blah, blah. And you do that. And and those people will be like, oh, I love you too, you know? And then, and then all of a sudden you get this good energy. It starts kind of, you know, coming back on, on one another. And, and, and you feel good after you hang up the phone or you're done texting. You feel good about it. You feel good. And you're like, yeah, I needed That's that. Awesome. And what it does is it puts you in a perspective to like, hey, crap happened life is full of misery if it was easy everybody would do it and be amazing but it's not it's those people who are able to get beyond those problems those negative things that happen in their life like what happened when curtis blades broke my knee on live tv on super bowl weekend yeah i i was they were they were ramping me up to be the next big heavyweight star and they put me up against freaking curtis blades who's a d1 wrestler who was you know 50 pounds heavier than i was broke my knee but never once did i ever think that that's it i'm done you know i kept pushing through and you know i had to keep looking at the positive things like hey i'm i'm still in the ufc they still want me they still want me to be here you know and i I sort of fell on to all of my support system. They're the ones that kind of pulled me out of some dark areas and things like that whenever I was going through that. And it made you realize that if you were to notice more of the positive by creating action in the positive, by, by doing something you know is right, 
that you can break that sort of mentality that, you know, hey, you deserve this. You're miserable. You know, you're a piece of crap. And, you know, this is why this is always happens to you. People say this to themselves all the damn time. And the hardest part about that is you'll get to the point where you believe that. And when you believe it, it'll start presenting itself more in your life. So breaking that cycle, getting out of that quicksand causes, you have to break that cycle in order to get out of the quicksand. So that's the whole reason why I made that up. That's awesome. That's a good word. That's got me me fired up, man. I'm about to cry. That really, for real, like, (laughs) dang. That was, that was, that was awesome, man. Um, but yeah, we, we liked that quicksand video. And another video I kind of liked is a more recent video was the freshwater drum video, which I know you do oh, a lot yeah. of, of drum videos. Yeah. And we've never, I don't know about you guys, but I've actually never caught I've, a drum. I've never Not caught one a drum. Like that big, ever. No. So tell us a little bit about that, man. Like, what's it like catching a drum? Um, so I've caught them in the past. And that's uh, just something like you, you just a lot of people call them trash fish or junk fish and you know it, i i grew up fishing in in maryland on the chesapeake bay and we would catch the red drum which are obviously like a one of the biggest probably most popular game fish in the world um the freshwater drum themselves are sort of they're pretty much like that they fight just as hard um, but for some of them reason and and i said this about the video like i i got a little worried because you would expect a fish that that big to fight hard. Right. I, I don't know if you know. I was catching them on a six-pound test fluorocarbon. Like, that was my leader, six-pound test from Suffolk. And uh, I was like, I was fishing for a smallmouth. I was fishing for, you know, I didn't even care if they were dinks. I just wanted to catch smallmouth. I didn't catch one. But these these drum just kept, kept hitting, man. And uh, what was really cool was, like, I, you know, I, I got done in the video and I put it out. <laughs> my one buddy uh who's who's really well versed in in um you know kayak fishing and and a lot of the records in in pennsylvania if not the world and he told me he's like hey man do you think that was probably close to the state record and i looked at the state record and it was uh i think the state record in pa is 19 pounds um four ounces or something like that i was like I bet you that thing would break the state record in pre-spawn. Like when these these fish get filled up with eggs, or yeah. they're starting to feed real heavy. Because that was the, I was like uh, early November, late October, and uh, it was pretty cold. We had a bunch of cold spells. So partly because that that area too is not that great. We had a lot of these this crap, this acid mine runoff here in PA that really screws things up. But yeah, man, that. That was fun. I, I was like, it was just one of those things, you know what, you know, going back to that quicksand thing, I could have said, you know, I, I had that one little opportunity. I got, I don't know if you've heard them they're screaming up there, but I got twins, twin boys. Um, and they're running around like crazy. My poor wife has got to take care of them. You know, a lot of times when I go fishing. So when I'm not fishing, I like, I, I I've got to be here cause I got to help her. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. but there's there's certain times I'm like, man, I get one opportunity. She's like, go fishing. I was like, okay, fine. I'm gonna try this new place I've never been to. I get there and it's miserable, man. Miserable. It yeah. sucked. It's so polluted, so nasty. It smelled horrible. There's sewage lines running into it. I was like, good God, this sucks. <laughs> but I kept I kept the I I kept this mindset. It was like, hey, I got the opportunity to fish. I'm gonna fish it. And then number two, I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna throw this net. I I don't know. Everything eats a net. And that's when I hit that one fish and I was just like, let's see if there's more. 
and six more hit. And I was like, okay, we had a pretty good day. So that's awesome, man. Do you got any like big adventures planned for this year? Like, um, so the one, the one is, is I, I want to try to get down to uh, my hometown, try to do, I want to take the torpedo out in the salt water in the Chesapeake Bay. And I want to try to catch a giant uh, striper, like literally just out there trolling around with that torpedo and seeing what I can come across. Cause some of them get up upwards, 50, 60 pounds out there. So, you know, I'm hoping to do that. That would be probably a big adventure for me. Uh, like I said before, uh, Sandy Cooper, I'm going to go down, uh, try my luck out against some really high end bass guys. You know, there, there's a lot of good guys that fish that, tur- uh, that trail. Um, and then beyond that, I, I'm still kicking around the idea of getting up to Wisconsin and fishing uh, the uh, lacrosse area on on the uh, – what river is that? I can't remember. But anyways, up of Wisconsin and fishing that. Um, but that's, that's basically about it. I'll, I'll still do my local stuff. There's a lot of stuff I haven't put out yet, a lot of little areas that I like to get to that, that are just fun to watch. Yeah. That is cool. Awesome, man. So kind of wrapping up a little bit, uh, where can our viewers view your content? Oh man. Um, just, just, uh, just type in at Adam Milstead and you'll, you'll get to my sort of personal channels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and then, uh, at straight yak. Um, if you go, um, it's a uh, STR number eight underscore Y a K D. Um, go there and check it out that I've got a lot of YouTube videos on and then I got an Instagram it's doing pretty well and, and generally it's just sort of that's that's more of my just straight up kayak fishing channel um, you know so I'll, I'll be doing some stuff I think uh, the fa- this year um, so I'm a big duck hunter too I love duck hunting and uh, so I'm going to try uh, some uh, kayak duck hunting videos which is pretty cool because we use kayak a lot for duck hunting but uh yeah, man. Uh, so, yeah, you guys hit me up there and all that good stuff. And we'll post all that in the link. This yeah, we'll have all that linked down in the description below. You can go check out his YouTube channel, check out his videos, uh, check him out on Instagram. And, uh, Adam, you got anything else you want to talk about, man? No, uh, you know, well, first off, I got to thank, you know, guys like you, man. It's, it's uh, you know, you guys, believe it or not, no matter how small or how big you are, you guys help us you know try to achieve a dream you know these these podcasts and things we do it's 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 fun because number one we get a chance to meet some brand new guys who who have the same passions you know and and you get to this point where you sort of create the support system for one another but at the same time like you know it's just fun you know this whole thing that you guys are doing man you're 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 putting out content that is going to get more people in the kayak fishing which is primarily the whole reason why a lot of us are in fishing to begin with it's like any hunters any hunter will tell you get you know get these guys into hunting because it's them that's going to basically be the environmentalists of the world like we're the ones that are going to advocate for better waterways better um you know conservation areas and things like that if it wasn't for us everything would have a starbucks or a parking mall on it I agree. I agree totally. So that's true. You know, you know, you guys doing your thing, man. It's great, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, super excited and uh, looking forward to maybe doing this again. Oh yeah, yeah it's been a, it's been an honor having you on here, dude. This is it really has, man. Time. 
you got you got a good perspective on on fishing outdoors and you know really just life in general so yeah, yeah. I, I, I really totally do appreciate agree. you man yeah appreciate you guys thank you man and uh until next time go <laughs> <laughs> That's guys awesome. uh you can check out our other episodes of yakin live we'll have that link down below as well we got some pretty cool people on here uh adam we may try to get together sometime man i don't know like we work a lot and i'm sure you're busy as well but we may try to get together sometime maybe do some fishing are you guys are you guys uh close to kentucky lake kentucky lake we're what about about two hours yeah i'd say about two hours we're close okay. enough close enough yeah closer than you are yeah, I'll be down that way for Hobie Bass Open. Uh, I think that might be May. So Okay. Okay. Just let us know, man. We'll get together and come down there and we'll try to do some fishing. All right, man. That sounds good. But again, man, we appreciate you having on having having you on. We appreciate you coming on here. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but as we always say, guys, keep, keep on, on yakking. Tune in next time for Yakking Live. It's available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and more. Wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, play kayak fishing, like their Facebook page, and stay updated on what's happening. And as always, they say, keep on yakking.